0: Well, it's good to be here with you this morning. Um, Bringing greetings, uh, we worship at West Springfield Covenant Community Church, and I'm a member of the New England Church Planning Network. I grew up in Springfield, Massachusetts, which is uh, a very one of, according to Barna, one of the most unreached cities in America and the most unchurched city in the U.S. Um, as of 2019. And our family moved here uh, back home after being away for 33 years back to Springfield with the hopes of planning a church either in Springfield or somewhere in New England. Um, we had prayed for a long time about missions overseas, and it just seems as if the Lord has closed those doors. And so coming back home to where uh, there's much gospel need has been a, a, a kind of a how the Lord has directed us. If you're interested in learning more about that, we have a newsletter, I'd love to hand that out to you. We, we come to God's Word, we'll be in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 1. And I want to talk about the power of God and the gospel, the power of God and the gospel. And we'll see this, that though the, God is powerful and man is wicked and evil, with no hope, without Christ, that God still seeks and saves the lost. And so we're coming to Romans chapter 1, verse 16. This is God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For His invisible attributes, namely His eternal power and divine nature Therefore, God gave them up in the lust of their hearts to impurity, to dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served the creature, rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. Let us pray again. Our Father, we thank you for your word. Would you work in our hearts so we'd embrace the gospel, that we'd believe it and live it out daily. And He would share it with those who are lost. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. The power of God. Paul says he's not ashamed or embarrassed of the gospel. Because God's power is seen in the salvation of everyone who believes. Everyone whom God opens their heart and believes. God's power is seen And he names two groups, Jew first and then the Greek, or then the non-Jewish person. And you might be thinking, well, why does he say that? Why does he say even in Romans to the Jew first? I can understand maybe in the Old Testament, Jew first and then the Gentile, but why even here? And what Paul is saying is, the Lord Jesus is Jewish. He descended from King David, the line of David. And he came to save his people and through his people who were supposed to be the light of the world. Since the Lord Jesus is the light of the world. He goes to his people first and then the gospel spreads from Jerusalem, from the Jewish people first, to the non-Jewish people. And yet in every age, you will see later in Romans, that God has a heart for the Jewish people. When people lose sight of seeking to preach the gospel to Jewish people, they use, lose sight of preaching the gospel to everyone else. That really is true. The Jewish people, we seek to proclaim the Messiah to them, but not just to them, to all nations. And so he says the Jew first, and then also to the Greek. And then he says this, For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. The only way for a sinner, for me and you, to be right before God, for God to see us as righteous, is to be through faith. Faith in the Lord Jesus, the one who obeyed the law of God for me and for you, the one who perfectly kept God's commands. God counts the sinner who believes in Christ completely, perfectly righteous. And so the way the gospel works is this. You see yourself as a sinner because you and I have broken God's laws. And because we have sinned and broken God's laws, we deserve the actual judgment of condemnation. We deserve to be condemned. And so every Christian literally says, I believe I deserve to go to hell. Christians start there and know themselves there. And so if you're outside of Christ, or your friends are outside of Christ, it's important that they see that and hear you say those words. Because many in the world think of Christianity as something just to make you feel good or to make you a better person. And that is not the gospel. The gospel is for sinners who deserve hell and know that they deserve the very judgment of God. That they have no hope apart from God declaring them righteous, that they have no goodness or righteousness in them of themselves. And so here it is shown that the gospel teaches that a righteousness, a right standing before God is by faith. And that word righteousness, obedience, completely right, completely perfect, completely just, is received. Through faith alone. By faith. And the reason why it's received by faith is it shows that it's not by works. Faith in the gospel is not defined as something like a token that you give God and then He gives you righteousness. As if your faith is an obedient thing. Do you see that? Faith has no merit in and of itself. It has nothing to accredit itself as a great thing it says in this passage everyone knows God exists we already believe in God you can't escape that God exists every single time you open your eyes you and I see God's glory in creation every single time you look in a mirror you see yourself as an image of God the knowledge of God is inescapable we know that there's a God. But the reason why God says we must be righteous through faith alone is because it's saying, I do not trust in myself. I do not trust in my obedience. I don't even trust in a meritorious, there's no merit to faith itself. but Rather, I receive the righteousness of God by faith, through faith, in Christ alone. And so what happens here is Christ's takes our sin, bears it on the cross, moves it completely away, removes it as far as the east as the west. And then He accounts us, imputes His righteousness to us by faith so that the one who believes in Jesus Christ alone, that He's the Son of God, that He died for you and rose again for you, is now said to be declared righteous. God legally declares you, instead of condemned condemning you, he says, you are righteous. You've believed in my Son. You've believed in the righteous one. What's true of him is now true of you if you trust in Jesus, our Lord, by faith alone. And so, Christian, you who trust in Christ, I want you to be able to agree with God. God wants you to be able to agree with God that what he's declared you to be is true of you. You are righteous. And the way this works out in your life is seen through the whole New Testament. But the spirit of condemnation should not be the flavor of your life. The spirit of unrighteousness should not mark your life. Because you've been declared righteous by God, Now in Christ, you can walk in what He has made you and declared you to be, which is righteous. And that also means in your relationships with one another, in the household, a spirit of condemnation, of nitpicking, of complaining, of fault-finding. That's not us. When we live that way, and when we treat other believers who who are declared righteous by God the Creator and you treat them that way in a way of unrighteousness or nitpicking or fault-finding in spirit of condemnation, we're acting contrary to the gospel. We're not living the gospel out. And so if that's you, this is, this is a great time to repent and ask the Lord, like, Lord, like, help me to live and see my brothers and sisters in Christ especially those in my own household whom I live with and rub shoulders with every day, to see them as you see them. To not hold their sins against them because you have not held my sins against me. You see that, brothers and sisters, this gospel needs to change our homes. And it has, right? You've, you've seen the difference, but let us continue in that way. And it explains the gospel, the power of the gospel shows us that man is inexcusable because they see from creation of the world the things that have been made. They can see God. And Psalm 19 speaks of this. It speaks of creation having speech, language, so that human beings are not without an excuse to know that there is a God. And so if you've convinced the friend that, you know, God exists, well, you've already done what they already know. Rather, your friend who is outside of Christ, they don't need to hear arguments about why God exists. They know He exists. You need to share with them and go with them directly to the gospel. You know, every Christian has this joy of being able to represent Christ. And some in different ways. But not everyone's an evangelist. Not everyone's a pastor. Not everyone's a deacon. Not, a, not everyone has a gifts of being able to uh, help people. Gifts of mercy. Gifts of giving. Um, and large hearts of compassion to serve. You know, every Christian can at least say, I belong to the Lord Jesus, wherever you're at. Every Christian is called to name Christ and to be able to give an answer for the reason and for the hope that they have within them with meekness and fear. And so when you rub shoulders with non-Christians, and if you're a non-Christian here and you've been invited, we're glad you're here. We're sharing about the love of God and how sinners have been declared righteous and how you can be declared righteous through faith in Him. What the Bible says is that you know God. That you know He exists. And that the biggest issue is that you need to be reconciled with God and declared righteous because right now you are condemned. And believer, when you share the gospel, when you take a stand for Christ, know that the person you're talking to understands that God exists. We all know He exists. We just suppress the truth. And you are that light in the world. Yes, you are a light. And God has placed you in places where there's hardly maybe any other Christians there's a few people that you'll be able to reach that maybe no one else can. And God has placed you there for a purpose. It could be the stores you shop at. It could be your place of work where you spend most of your time. But certainly know that you don't have to have great arguments. You just need to preach to them Christ. You know, Paul in Acts 17 After he's sharing the gospel in the marketplace, they invite him to come and share. they, They call him a babbler. Who is this babbler? What is he talking about? But they want to hear more. And as he shares the gospel with them, he tells them, you know, I can see as I've been walking through the city that you're very religious. And you have even an altar here to the unknown God. This God... Whom you don't know, let me I'm going to proclaim him to you. And then he goes to tell them that they actually knew about the God <laughs> that they don't they denied. The very altar that said the unknown God they knew, that He's their creator, but they just suppressed the truth. And the answer that he gives them is that they need to repent. To repent and turn. Because God has appointed a day in which he will judge the world through the Lord Jesus, the one whom he has raised from the dead. And so the medicine they need, the medicine the unbelieving world needs, is the gospel. Not great arguments. Not even a perfect Christian testimony. You will sin and mess up. Actually asking for forgiveness and owning your sin is much more an accreditation to the gospel, and that your righteousness is not self-righteousness, but that you rest in Christ's righteousness, is so much more appealing and shows forth the gospel in its trueness when you do that. And so we see the judgment then that God gives to the world. Verse 24, Therefore God gave them up in the lust of their hearts in purity to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves and exchanging the truth about God for a lie, worshiping and serving the creature rather than the creator. And is this not what we see in our world today? More so evident in our country, more so in New England, uh, but we see the dishonoring of the body. Um, I saw one image of a of a human being that so um, marked his body that he tried to make himself look like a lizard and it was so heartbreaking to see that his teeth were chiseled when humanity takes their eyes off of the creator and stops worshipping the creator they will worship creation that's what all of us will do And it's breaking. It breaks the person. It crushes them. But it is the very just judgment of God. And the power of the gospel is that God came for people that do that. Lawbreakers, worshippers of creation rather than the creator. Those who are wicked in deed and action and thought and mind. And God comes for them. And God is pleased to use people like us to speak the unreachable, unsearchable riches of Christ. Righteousness instead of unrighteousness. Being remade in the image of God and knowledge, righteousness, and holiness rather than going in the way of sin in the world. See, the gospel also makes humanity right and who they were always created to be. And so the just judgment, when we see that, we should also think in terms of mercy for that person. You remember our Lord Jesus when he tells the parable of the tax collector and the Pharisee and how the Pharisee thought he was righteous because of himself. And so he enumerates all of the things that he's done. And then the tax collector beats his chest and says, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. The Lord Jesus tells his disciples, he said, said, you see that man? So God in the flesh declaring the tax collector, that man went away justified rather than the other. And so when we see brokenness, and move away and think of ourselves as better, that's not resting in the gospel. But we rest in the gospel when we see the brokenness and the wickedness of human beings around us, their lostness, instead of moving away from them, moving toward them with the gospel message that you and I have. You know, some people share it well. Some people just invite people to church and people just come. And you don't know if you're that person unless you invite them. (laughs) Definitely invite. It was a young man who invited me, a 16-year-old, turning 17 to church. knew nothing of the gospel. knew nothing of the Lord. A simple invitation. I came, showed up once, showed up once more. A year later got saved, converted there, guess what church I went to? The one where the first Christian ever invited me to. And then 14 plus years later, married with kids, I said to the same young man who invited me, I was like, hey, I don't know if I've ever told you thank you. (laughs) Thank you for inviting me to church that day. And he's like, oh yeah. You know, invite people to church. Invite them into your home." Share this wonderful message of the gospel with them. And if you're not good at it, invite someone else. Take the pastor along with you. Don't switch and bait. We're in New England. If you're in the southern states, you could do that all you want. It works, too. I can't believe it. (laughs) But here, just tell them, hey, I'm going to invite you over. We'll pray. We eat together. And my pastor would be there. We'd love for you to meet him. They know God. But their knowledge is a guilty knowledge. A guilty knowledge in which they want to further run away from Him. A guilty knowledge that tells them in their conscience that they cannot escape, that they are condemned. And God goes after sinners. He went after you. Whether He blessed you with a Christian home, praise God, like my children now have that blessing or if He just plucked you out from the fire just recently. It is your joy to love and relish in this gospel and to share it. You see, God is a blessed creature forever, creator rather, forever and ever, and not the creature. Not only does this gospel declare the one who believes in him righteous, but it makes us holy. If you've trusted in Christ, you're united to Him in such a way that when He died, your old nature died with Him. When He was buried, you were buried with Him. And when He was raised, somehow in some way by the power of the Spirit, you too were raised with Him. And so the one who is declared righteous, first, simultaneously, God, in Their hearts unites them to the Christ who died for them, was buried and rose again, and changes you so that you can now walk in holiness. So while we are justified by faith, we are also sanctified by faith. The same God who justifies you is the same God who made you holy. And He made you holy so you can walk with Him. And so the Christian life isn't a a life of just... Failure after failure after failure. Yes, we will always fail. But now in Christ, we can actually walk with God and we can obey Him. We are new creatures. We are no longer in Christ enslaved to sin. We have a new master. The power of the gospel doesn't just declare a sinner righteous. It actually declares them righteous and gives them the power to walk in newness of life. You, Christian, have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. You, Christian, are new. You've been made new. And so, areas of failure after failure after failure, you keep going to Christ with your sin, naming it, boldly confessing it, asking for God to change you. If the spirit of condemnation is yours, ask Him to change you. Ask Him to help me to live out the righteousness of Christ that I have by faith. Help me to live out the holiness that I am now in Christ made. And not only that, but you have, finally, the blessing of assurance. You know, having assurance of salvation is another blessing that is available to every single Christian. But if you don't have assurance, it doesn't mean you're not saved if you're trusting in Christ by faith alone. You can struggle with it. I've known many saints who struggle with this for years and years and years. Some people struggle with it and I was like, I would doubt my own salvation before I doubt yours. Uh, but they they just struggle with it. It's just something God hasn't given them in, in time. But it is a blessing that you can ask for and have. And you can have an in- Infallible assurance. Can you, do you hear that? Infallible assurance that you are saved and going to be with the Lord Jesus forever. Not only are you declared righteous, not only are you made holy, but you can have the blessing of the, and the power of the gospel to have that joy of knowing that you will never be lost. It is true. The one who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ has eternal life. You are declared righteous, so how can you be condemned? You have the Holy Spirit in you. Yes, you fall in, and move up and down in a Christian life, but one day you will be completely made in glory, unable to sin. Don't you relish and look forward to that day? With A day without sin. A day without disappointment or unbelief. It is yours in Christ Jesus. And you can have that fullness assurance now. We have a gospel that is so good. And it's so powerful. It changes our standing before God. It changes our life. And it, it changes us in our joy and peace. And this gospel is too good to keep to ourselves. Paul closes out Romans saying he wants to go to an area where the gospel has not been preached. You Christians can also partner with missionaries over the world and Muslim-dominated countries where there's no gospel. There are cities of millions that have very few churches. Seek out people, missionaries, to support, to pray for, where this gospel is not heard but then you don't have to go far you're in a great place to be a Christian because there's lots of non-Christians around us isn't that true don't you know so many who don't know the Lord is the gospel powerful enough to pierce through tough New England tough Rhode Islanders amen is there anything too hard for the Lord He saved Jews, Gentiles. When the gospel is coming in the Rome, they were the minority of minorities, and it just spreads. Because Paul knew, and Paul wasn't ashamed of this gospel. And in Christ, neither are you. Let us not be ashamed of the gospel, but let us boldly proclaim it. Let us live it out in our homes. Let's take a stand that you belong to the Lord Jesus. Invite people to church. And if God gives you both the spirit and abilities to speak, speak. Some of you can speak and you don't. Speak. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for this wonderful gospel. That in Christ Jesus, we are righteous, holy. That in him we have been made the wisdom of God in sanctification and redemption thank you for declaring us who trust in your son as righteous in his eyes father we pray lord for any who don't know you that they would call upon you that they would turn from their self righteousness that they would turn from their unrighteousness and look to the lord jesus through faith alone and receive the righteousness of god through him and father we pray as well for ourselves would you open our lips to speak boldly to invite to pray for to apologize to do a good deed in the name of our lord jesus father would you so uh, work in us that we'd be a people who would be a light and would point to the savior And Lord, would you be pleased to bring the gospel into providence that this gospel would spread to the uttermost parts of the world. We pray these things because your son is worthy, because he loved us and gave himself for us. We pray these things in Christ's name. Amen.